News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Glad to have y'all here. Gotta welcome the new sponsor for the hour. Service Chevrolet, located at 1212 Ambassador. They are the new 5 o'clock sponsor for your 5 o'clock news cruise. You guys are in the car, cruising right, right along with your news of the day here on the Joe Cunningham Show. Thank you very much to Service Chevrolet for being a sponsor of the program. We got a lot to talk about today. It's been a very busy day. A lot of moving parts in Washington, D.C. Not a whole lot has actually been going on in terms of moving forward, but there's been a lot of talking, uh, folks trying to count, a lot of vote counting going on. Now, in Washington, D.C., vote counting is like whipping votes, trying to make sure that you have the votes before you go forward with something. We have something like nine, ten people running for speaker in the House of Representatives right now, and I know I'm. I, it, it sounds like I'm talking national, but I'm I'm getting to the state aspect of this because one of the candidates is Congressman Mike Johnson of Louisiana. We've had him on the show before. Excited that he's running for it. Uh, I think he's one of the better candidates on the slate. I love Byron Donalds. Don't get me wrong. I love Byron Donalds. I'm just wondering if uh, his the, the fact that he's not he's not been in Congress very long and he's only been in politics about seven years. And the fact that he's in the House Freedom Caucus, I'm wondering if if other members of the Republican conference will hold that against Byron Donalds. Again, I would love a Byron Donald speakership. I think it would be great. I think that he would be absolutely a solid conservative force. I don't know if his colleagues will give him that much of a look because of his, especially the House Freedom Caucus ties. And we'll get into that a little bit because I've mentioned it a little bit before. But Mike Johnson's also, he's got he's got a path to the speakership, but there are some issues there, particularly as there are questions as to whether or not the Republican conference would be happy with Louisiana having two spots in leadership. Because Steve Scalise is still the majority leader. He is still the Republican majority leader. He's the head of the Republicans outside of the speakership. But he couldn't win speaker. If Mike Johnson were to become speaker, that means the number one and number two Republicans in the Republican conference, both from Louisiana. Some people are wondering if some of the other uh if some of the other Republicans in the conference would be okay with one state having uh, that much power in Republican leadership. I think it'd be fascinating. I don't think it'd be that terrible a thing. I mean, when you look at appropriations, everything like that, Louisiana is one of the least ambitious states when it comes to pork being grabbed by our, uh, by our representatives in recent years. Most of the pork that gets sent to Louisiana comes from federal appropriations from the executive branch to Louisiana by means of emergency declarations. We don't get a whole lot legislatively that others don't get. So I don't think there's any worry about that. It's just, does Louisiana need two uh, candidates, uh, two, two people in leadership, especially the number one and number two spots in Republican leadership in the House? It's a very interesting conundrum. But there's another aspect to all of this. It's very, very interesting that Punchbowl News, which is an insider newsletter, uh, talking about the goings-on of Washington, D.C., their morning newsletter had a section about Garrett Graves. 
want to read this to you, most of this to you if I can, to, to kind of explain the issue for Garrett Graves. A confluence of internal Louisiana Republican politics and a looming redistricting fight could cost Representative Garrett Graves his seat next Congress. Political headwinds are forming against Graves, a rising star and top ally of former Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who has been at the center of this Congress's major storylines. Nothing is decided yet, to be clear. The Bayou State's lawyers are currently fighting against court demands that would force Louisiana to redraw its congressional map to add a second district for the state's black voters. And on Thursday, the Supreme Court declined to intervene in the state's case, potentially delaying redistricting. But if there's a new map, experts expect either Graves or Representative Julia Letlow of Louisiana will see their seats dramatically changed. And while there's been no movement by the state legislature as the body waits for the courts, there's reason to believe that Graves could get hit with a significantly tougher district. Two of Graves' decisions this year have ruffled feathers in the tight-knit world of Louisiana politics. First, Graves backed the gubernatorial primary opponent of Governor-elect Jeff Landry, who stormed a victory this month. Graves' support for Stephen Wagaspak, who got just 5.9% of the vote, hasn't gone, well with, hasn't gone down well with Team Landry. In an interview, Graves struck a defiant tone and said he wasn't worried about his political future. People every day go out and endorse people that ultimately don't cross the goal line and people move on and mend fences, Graves told us, us referring to Punchbowl. I'm not going out there and spend all my time looking over my shoulder and be worried about that. Another factor at play here is House Majority Leader Steve Scalise's ill-fated bid for Speaker. Scalise allies are upset that Graves didn't endorse Scalise over Representative Jim Jordan. Scalise is one of the top power players in Louisiana politics. One of his political protégés, Cameron Henry, is set to become the next state Senate president. Graves, to be fair, was far from alone in his silence on Scalise's Speaker bid. Letlow was the only member of the GOP delegation to publicly back Scalise. Louisiana Republican Representatives Clay Higgins and Mike Johnson both stayed out of the race, citing their close relationship with both Scalise and Jordan. At the end of the day, I think the people of Louisiana are going to do are going to want to do what's right and not support any type of revenge, Graves said. The battle of Louisiana's congressional map is currently tied up in the courts and with the Supreme Court declining to intervene for now, it's unclear when the issue will get resolved. Garrett Graves is very close. He, he's not in Bill Cassidy territory, but he is getting kind of close. Graves is not much of a conservative. He's not. He doesn't have the voting record of it. He doesn't have the, uh, the fighting spirit of a conservative. Garrett Graves is a Baton Rouge Republican who won that seat and has been kind of coasting along. Graves, as I've mentioned before, got in tight with Kevin McCarthy at the expense of Steve Scalise. And in fact, there were multiple reports that when the conference voted with Scalise, voted to make Scalise their nominee for speaker, Graves was visibly upset. And he knows why. Because if Scalise had gotten into power, Graves would be cut out of the line to leadership that he was trying to carve for himself while working with McCarthy. It's a very interesting dynamic in Washington, D.C. Garrett Graves has decided to side with, Mac with dare I say it, McCarthyism. Not the fun one, but the Kevin McCarthy 
McCarthyism. He's decided to go the route of McCarthyism and try to work his way into being in Republican leadership by cutting deals, by being moderate, working from the center rather than working from the right. And as a result, he has found himself on the outside looking in because he's taken every wrong position that you could take in order to try to get to a place where Republicans would respect you. Every Republican member of the delegation backed Jeff Landry except for Garrett Graves. He sided with Stephen Wagespach. He did not work on behalf of Steve Scalise because as Punchbowl said, Clay Higgins and Mike Johnson didn't endorse Steve Scalise, but I have it on very good authority that both men were pushing other members to vote for Scalise. I know Mike Johnson did. I have heard that Clay Higgins did. That both offices wanted Scalise to become the next speaker. And yes, Scalise is not all that much of a conservative either, but Scalise at least knows how to work with Republicans in ways Kevin McCarthy didn't. Graves decided to take the McCarthy route to leadership. Graves was the one responsible for doing most of the negotiating on Kevin McCarthy's behalf for the awful spending deal that came out after McCarthy said that he was going to negotiate with the White House. And they gave a whole lot away, and conservatives and Republicans alike were pissed, excuse the language, that's the only way to describe it, with the deal that came out. Garrett Graves was the man responsible for orchestrate for art for uh, uh, engineering that deal. He was the one who did the negotiating, who came up with the items that both sides would agree on. Kevin McCarthy fully endorsed it, but it was Garrett Graves who engineered a lot of it. He hasn't gone out of his way to vote to impeach Donald Trump like Bill Cassie did. He hasn't gone out of his way to take the most liberal positions possible on bills that really Republicans should be 100% against, like Cassidy did, the infrastructure bill being one. But Graves has not shown himself to be a conservative. And so you have this piece coming out. In all likelihood, I don't actually expect that Jeff Landry is going to, you know, be super, uh, super vengeful and try to actively work to get Garrett Graves drawn out of whatever district is created to be the second minority-majority district, if that indeed becomes the case. But I don't expect Jeff Landry to lift a finger to help him because Graves never lifted a finger to help Jeff Landry when it was clear that Jeff Landry was the way to the governor's mansion. It's a very interesting dynamic. Very, very interesting dynamic. And what I fear is about to happen is a bitter fight in Louisiana. Over that seat. And I don't think conservatives will be able to get anybody into that seat, whether Graves Graves can hold on to it or whether it becomes a Democratic seat. First of all, I don't actually expect 
a new district map to be out before the 2024 election. I don't. Between the appeals, the fact that the Supreme Court hasn't gotten involved, the fact that it's still working its way through the courts, I don't think it's, there's going to be a new map before the 2024 election. And even if there is, we'll probably get another situation where the Supreme Court says, hey, it's too close to the 2024 election. This map will be in effect for the next election. But there's a there's a chance that a second majority minority district could become a Democratic district and get rid of Graves entirely. But if there's a chance to make that seat more conservative, I'm worried that the Baton Rouge area, which is Graves district, can't produce a solid enough conservative to take that spot. We definitely need one. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back here on the Joe Cunningham show In just a moment, we'll take this break. Your thoughts, your calls, your messages on the KPEL app chat. More coming in just a moment here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. But first, your pest of the day. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. 232-1542 is the number or... Send a message through the KPL app chat here on your 5 o'clock news cruise. Cruising right, right along with your news of the day. This hour brought to you by Service Chevrolet, located at 1212 Ambassador Caffrey. Go and check them out. Always fun. Thanks to Service Chevrolet for being the newest sponsor to this hour. Mentioned the app chat. Mike weighs in on the app asking how Higgins voted on Scalise and Jordan. To my knowledge, to my knowledge, Higgins voted in the uh, floor vote for speaker for both men. I don't know about the secret ballots or anything like that, how they might have voted on that one. Uh, but Higgins, I, if, if, if it's my understanding from the folks I've talked to, the, um, that Higgins and Johnson in particular, while they didn't make any public calls, they understood that uh, Scalise would be able to be a, a somewhat effective leader. And so they backed him, plus the benefit of having somebody from Louisiana as the speaker. You can't overlook that. Uh, and they they work together. They're colleagues. Um, yes, uh, Jordan is a very good conservative. Both Higgins and Johnson are close with Jordan. But uh, I believe that they were first backing Scalise or I, they were first backing Scalise, to my knowledge, uh, but then went with Jordan when Scalise didn't have the path forward. That is, to my knowledge, I could be wrong on that, but that is, to my knowledge, how that went down. Anyway, 232-1542 is the number or send a message through the KPL app chat like Mike did. We're going to go ahead and take this break. When we come back, some more of your news of the day, what else is going on in the state and across the nation here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPEL. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation here on the 5 o'clock news cruise brought to you by Service Chevrolet, located at 1212 Ambassador Caffrey. Very happy to have service as an official sponsor of this hour. Thank you, service, and thank you guys for listening. Those of you who are commenting on the KPL app chat as well, 
It is always fun to be with you guys, especially after a long weekend with a ton of news happening. Some of that news, including what's going on still with Israel and Hamas. So the Israeli government showed a group of 100 international journalists the raw footage collected by Israeli intelligence as to what happened on October 7th when Hamas invaded Israel, excuse me, and it horrified a lot of them, a lot of them very vocal on social media about what they saw and how horrifying it was. Now, this comes in stark contrast with the headlines that were being written by a lot of folks in the American mainstream press. And there is a columnist at the Washington Post, kind of libertarian, Megan McArdle. She's of the left, but more libertarian than left uh, at times. But she made this statement on social media, which is actually a very horrifying statement. Uh, and it's, it's really bothered me for most of the day. I think people are underestimating the degree to which bad headlines on the hospital blast were driven by traffic optimization techniques rather than bias. Come, my friends, I shall conceal nothing from you. I happen to know, because of the nature of our work here at Town Square, what a lot of those optimization techniques are. I know what search engine optimization is. I know what engagement optimization, engagement on social media is. I know all of the things that you are supposed to do in order to try to draw clicks, to draw traffic to your website. It is something that since I've started working here full time, it's kind of been beaten into our heads a little bit. And I'm not giving away any secrets. I'm giving you a little inside baseball on that, that a lot of the things that end up written on the Internet in general, whether it's my writing at Red State, whether it's my writing here at uh, KPL965.com, whether it's uh, anything else that I've written in the past. I know that when it goes onto the internet, that the headlines are in particular crafted. There are social media editors that craft the tweets and the Facebook posts a very specific way, following a formula that makes people want to click on them. It's not clickbait. Clickbait is something entirely different, but it's the thing that makes you more likely to click on something. Clickbait is about giving something completely outrageous that doesn't actually match the tone or tenor of the story, may not even be factually correct, but clickbait draws a bunch of frenzied clicks from outraged or emotion, uh, emotion-based reaction from people. Basic optimization just makes you more likely to pick one headline over another headline. And so what Megan McArdle is saying is that a lot of those terrible headlines that you saw about the hospital blast, about how they blamed Israel and things like that, that was just optimization. That was just headline optimization. That was just for social engagement. As if it's meant to explain away the media bias, except her comment actually doesn't make that much sense as a standalone issue. 
because, my friends, I, I have told you, we've had the same optimization techniques beaten into our heads here. And we can tell you that while you're optimizing your headline or crafting the tweet or the Facebook post that goes out giving your story, at no point are you told to lie. At no point are you told to don't worry about verifying the facts. That's never happened. Nobody tells you ignore the facts, just write the most outrageous thing. Go ahead and blame somebody in your headline. Go ahead and take the word of a terrorist organization. There's no amount of optimization techniques that actually dictate that the media do what the media did with regards to the hospital blast. If McArdle is correct, it's actually even more of an indictment on the mainstream media. The engagement, we're going to engage you based on our premise and based on the premise of a terrorist organization. We're going to engage you to click on our post based on the dangerous, libelous assertions of a terrorist organization that is known to lie, that is known to blow up its own people, that is known to hide its terror groups in hospitals and elementary schools and mosques. We're going to take their word and craft a headline that blames Israel so that you'll click on our story. That makes it worse, not better. That doesn't explain away. It's not a substitute for the bias. It's the bias that made that particular optimization so much worse. It goes well, well beyond the scope of what journalism should be. Now, I will tell you, I have a degree in journalism. I do. It's true. I know what you're thinking. Oh, man, he went to journalism school. I did. I went to journalism school. I learned the AP style guide. What's even funnier is that I also have a double majored. This is journalism and sociology. Just recently, a group of like 1,400 sociologists released a letter condemning Israel and saying that there needs to be more... Uh, more concern for the Gazans and the Palestinians and Hamas. So yeah, my double major just taking absolute body blows in the last couple of weeks, but that's fine. Sir, sure, a lot of y'all think I'm some closet liberal anyway. But what journalism should be is telling facts. Telling the story without taking a side. That's what journalism should be. Now, we know, we know it's very difficult to do that in this day and age. Between social media, between what I've long called Twitter syndrome, that we all have to share all of our thoughts all of the times and unfiltered, it makes it difficult to be objective. And I don't even mind if a story is not objective, but there has to be a clear and conscious effort to give both sides the microphone to let them tell their story and not tell the story from just one side in order to condemn the other side. Let the other side condemn themselves by their words and actions. Hell, 
We've seen professors and universities all across the fruited plain condemn themselves just by being given a microphone and told and, and told go nuts. But the scope of what journalism should be should not be about how do we get people to actively engage with our very libelous and dangerous headlines? How do we get people to click on our stories? And we should do so through lying or we should do so by taking the word of a terrorist organization without verifying the facts. I've seen many good people taken down because a headline was incorrect. The first couple lines had a mistake. One of the people who kind of trained me in in terms of opinion writing uh, told a story about a a guy who was reading a a current events book, some political book or other, got half a page in. The guy closed the book and threw it against the wall and and swore at it. And and the person who was telling me the story was sitting in the room and said, why did you do that? The guy responding said, if you can't get your facts right on the first page, how can, I rec- how can I trust any of the other pages of the book? I've seen many journalism careers taken down because people got something wrong in the first couple paragraphs. But those are people who are not working in the upper echelons of journalism. Those aren't the New York Times reporters. Those aren't the Washington Post reporters. Those aren't the CNN, ABC News, NBC News, CBS News. Those aren't those folks. They get a pass. And they shouldn't. They should not be getting a pass from making these types of mistakes. 232-1542 is the number, or you can send a message through the KPL app chat. Let's take this final break. We'll be back to wrap up the show here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Thank you guys for cruising along on your 5 o'clock news cruise brought to you by Service Chevrolet, the newest sponsor of this hour. Find them at 1212 Ambassador Caffrey. Thrilled to have them as a sponsor of the show. If you want, 232-1542 is the number or send a message through the KPL app chat. Uh, Kenny in Lafayette sends a message uh, basically asking, define a congressman. Because there's a lot of terms that get thrown around for the uh, the people who serve in Washington, D.C. Because, you know, Congress, Congress in the broadest text is the legislative branch. But in particular, congressmen refer to representatives in the House. Um, if you are serving in the House of Representatives, you are referred to as a congressman. Uh, senators get their own designation because they're in the U.S. Senate. But congressmen, more importantly is a derivative of the term politician. A politician is somebody who works in politics. And as we all know, politics is derived from two words. Poly, meaning many, and ticks, meaning blood-sucking vermin. And that's what most of our politicians end up being. There is a... uh, There's a comedian who has this show on Netflix. I forget the name of the show, but... the. A bunch of the clips from the show end up being used in memes across the internet, and uh, it's always like taking a taking a natural thought and like taking it to its extreme. So one of them, one of the clips is like this: the dude's going crazy. He's like, I got to find a way to make money out of this. I got to, and he's like just screaming, "I got to find a way to make money out of this." And and the latest meme was him, uh, him splayed over a picture of Congress, and the caption is. When Congress finds out there's a war in the Middle East, and he say, he's 
the meme suggests that congressmen are trying to find a way to make money off of the Middle East, and they're doing it. You know they're doing it, not necessarily through uh, through any like unscrupulous means, but like fundraising. How do they get more money off of this? I mean, you see Rashida Tlaib, you see Ilan Omar, you see Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. They're all going out and they're saying these outrageous things, and they're fundraising off of the attacks that they're getting, basically saying all these people who are racist and they're they're Islamophobes and, and they're they're horrible people and they're attacking us for speaking the truth about the people of Gaza. And then there's Republicans on the same side who are trying to fundraise off the fact that we want to send aid to Israel or that uh, the Democrats are filled with anti-Semites or anything like that. Everybody's trying to make money off of the crisis and there's not enough people trying to figure out how to stop the crisis. We do need a better class of politician, or as the Joker would have said in The Dark Knight, this town deserves a better class of criminal. You guys have a great day. Find me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Email Joe at RedState.com. The podcast going up in mere moments over on Substack. Just look up The Joe Cunningham Show on Substack or go to Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and leave a rating and a review for the podcast there. Talk to you guys again in 23 hours here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL.